The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Berquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life. Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berquist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling, and healthiest life. Today, I'm joined by Dr. William Shu. Prior to joining El Nutra as Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Shu was Vice President of International Programs and Medical Director of the Asian Clinic at Joslin Diabetes Center, a teaching and research affiliate of Harvard Medical School. In his role, Dr. Shu continues to advance the science and research that El Nutra and multiple global research centers conduct on the fasting mimicking diet and other proprietary prescriptive formulations. Dr. Shu also advances global awareness and adoption of cutting edge Nutra technology, such as the fasting, fasting mimicking diet within healthcare practices and associations, and among key opinion leaders, health policymakers, and payers in healthcare. Dr. Shu received his medical degree from Mount Sinai School of Medicine. He completed his residency training in internal medicine at Yale University School of Medicine and completed his fellowship training in endocrinology and metabolism at Harvard Medical School, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Joslin Diabetes Center. Dr. Shu, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Dr. Sharon, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. You know, I want to um, start by asking you to, to maybe give us a little background on, on El Nutra. Yeah, so uh, El Nutra is a company that, um, that was founded on science. This was uh, actually founded by Professor Walter Longo, who is a professor actually at University of Southern California. Uh, all his life, his life's work focused on the, really the intersection between um, nutrition, longevity, and health. And he was able to figure out that there are ways where we could feed the body at the same time, keeping body in the fasting state. And so the, the technology is called the fasting making diet. And uh, so he has been looking into uh, and investigating um, how to use the fasting mimicking diet in a number of health conditions to help support a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, and, and can you tell us a little bit more about the fasting mimicking diet? Because I think there's a lot of interest now in intermittent fasting, um, but how is this different from that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So by intermittent fasting, we often refer to a fasting pattern of, of essentially not eating for less than two days. And often they're not, not consecutively uh, fasting. Uh, fasting mimicking diet belongs actually to a different class of fasting. We generally call that the periodic fasting or prolonged fasting because it generally it's a fasting that lasts more than two days. And now, you know, when you, when you start talking about two days of fasting, people are like, what? It's, you know, if, if we go to any conference and then people don't feed us, we say that's a bad conference, right? So skipping a meal is already a, such a deprivation in our society to ask people to fast more than two days, it's, it's a major challenge, right? There, there are gonna be some heroes out there that can do it. But I think uh, Professor Longo really saw it from a pragmatic standpoint. Given that periodic fasting or prolonged fasting can support a number of health functions, uh, he really wants to come up with a technology that can support more people to benefit from, from this prolonged fasting period. 
Yeah, no, that makes complete sense because, you know, when I think of a lot of my patients who are interested in intermittent fasting, a lot have underlying health conditions and simply couldn't fast because of certain medications they're on, et cetera. And you know, can you talk more about, well, how, how does this fasting mimicking diet work? Because obviously it's mimicking fasting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like a, almost a parent contradiction, right? How do you fast with food? In fact, that's what it is. And, and it really it depends on how, or, or it really is based on how one understands the definition of fasting, right? So in our common language, fasting means no food. So, so of course, when you say, well, fasting with food, that sounds like a contradiction, but look at the physiology of fasting, right? When you fast, what happens? Your body is not using sugar as your common fuel. You're switching over to burning fat, right? As the source of your fuel and thereby produce ketones. And so now people have been trying to manipulate the diet, right? By cutting down, as you know, the, a lot of the recent trends of people cutting down carbs, low carb diet, what does it try to do? It's try to mimic the physiology of fasting by burning the, uh, the, the fats that are stored in the body. But that's what I call physiologic fasting. There's actually a deeper level of fasting. In other words, if you go down to the cellular level, right, the cells has got to know whether there's nutrients or not, no nutrients coming in. Right. And so on the surface of the cells, there are all these years and eyes, right? That senses nutrients like proteins, amino acids, sugar, and carbohydrates. And when the when you're able to give nutrients such a way, well, that where it's not recognized by these sensors, we call these the nutrient sensing pathways or nutrient sensors, then you in fact you can feed the body and keep the cells in a fasting state. So I call that molecular fasting or cellular fasting. This is what the fasting mimicking diet is based on. It's this technology where we're able to provide the nutrients in a very precise way where it tricks the body into thinking you're fasting. So while the body sees food, the cells don't see food, and the cells are able to go through that response to fasting that supports healthy aging, that supports weight loss, uh, that supports cellular rejuvenation. I'll give you one uh, strong evidence of this is based on the work uh, by Professor Otsumi in Japan that had uh, earned a Nobel Prize in 2016, where he described the process called autophagy, right? The word, as you can see, autophagy means self-eating. Um, in his Nobel Prize winning work, he described the mechanism by which when the cells are, uh, are exposed to um, no food, conditions of no food, in other words, fasting, how the cells are recycling itself because there's no food coming from outside. The cells actually stop growing. Instead of growing, it goes into a state of protection. It goes into a state of recycling. And I often use this uh, this this uh, analogy that, that many of us can experience. Look, if a family has no income for a day or two, right? The family say, oh, well, you know, let's just, you know, shift the, the cash from the bank uh, into and paying for the bills, right? But what if the family has no income for about a week? Well, now you start getting alerted. Well, hey, hey maybe we should not go out for expensive dinner this week. 
But what if the sales didn't, what if the family does not see income for a couple of weeks? Now you say, hey, we got to change our lifestyle, right? We have to reorganize our spending. Now we've got to recycle some of the things, you know, instead of paper plates, maybe we got to, you know, reuse the utensils and so on and so forth, right? So same thing with the cells. When the cells aren't seeing the nutrients coming into it, it stops growing. It stops replicating, right? Instead, what it does, it recycles some of the older and worn out cellular components for some for new ones. And that is actually essentially uh, the, the secret to cellular health, right? It's the it's the the sort of the combination of fasting, then refeeding, fasting and refeeding that turns out to be key to many of the healthy functions of fasting. And which is, you know, absolutely fascinating because to me, it tells us so much about our physiology, right? That we have such incredible innate capacity to self-regenerate, right? And that if we just learn how to, we can change, you know, our, our health, our longevity in our life. So with that, I want to kind of veer into the research behind it, because this is just absolutely fascinating, right? It's how you can maximize your human potential. Yeah. And so um, I think the work really starts when we look at, uh, when we observe our nature. Uh, think about um, um, even an example of a simple organism like yeast, right? Yeast, I think we're all very familiar with. You could actually kill the yeast or lyse the yeast by adding hydrogen peroxide, right? Because it's got oxidant stress, right? It kills the, the cells. But think about this though, uh, very interesting uh, implication. If you were to fast yeast for a couple of days before you adding the hydrogen peroxide, it's actually able to withstand the stress now, you know, uh, after you adding the hydrogen peroxide, if it's preceded by a couple of days of fasting. And, and from that, what we've learned in the research world is that when the cells are fasting, when these eyes and ears on the cells that do not picture, do not sense the nutrients coming in, it, instead of going to a growth mode, it goes into a protection mode. And throughout this protection mode, it also goes into that recycling mode. So the older worn out cellular components uh, are being recycled. <laughs> And we see that not only in yeast, you see that in fruit flies, you see that in rodent, in many of the experiments that uh, uh, Professor Wongo did uh, in, in rats and mice. And then we're seeing in um, uh, more advanced mammals. And now research is really opening it up to asking the questions, what happens in humans? Now, our bodies are definitely a lot more complicated than, than rodents and I, don't, I wouldn't draw exact equivalency, um, but it's promising. And if you were to look into, uh, you know, U.S. registry uh, from clinicaltrials.gov, for example, and looking up uh, investigators, scientists that are looking into, into research into the impact of fasting on human health, wow, over the last couple of years, you're seeing the exponential growth. Uh, uh, again, just bringing the focus on the fact that, that although fasting is as old as our culture, as our religion, across every people group in the world. But now it's not until recently that, that molecular science as well as medical science really has just begun to unravel the mysteries of fasting. Absolutely. And 
And when you say that, you know, I think often when we um, kind of look at where we are in healthcare, there's a lot of analogies to how there are some age old truisms, right? Like food is medicine, et cetera. And we have this era now where we have this technology to understand the molecular um, and cellular pathways that just tell us just how true what, you know, these, you know, kind of conclusions back from like Hippocrates are to applying to today. But there's also, you know, but when I think of fasting, historically, the biggest threat to mankind's survival was the threat of starvation, right? So there's got to be this point, right, of where, you know, you need a certain amount to get into this um, therapeutic level, if you will, of fasting. And then beyond that, it overstresses a system where it can be harmful. What are you learning from the research on those, those thresholds? Dr. Sharon, I'm so glad you brought this up because in the, the massive noise out there about all the benefits of fasting, people forget that uh, it's got to be done right, right? If fasting you know, singularly is the best thing ever, then how do you explain you know, many people who've gone through famine actually did not live longer, <laughs> right? They actually fared much worse. Um, and so we've begun to understand it's really the, uh, the combination of fasting and then refeeding. That's really the key here, right? So for example, we have known for a long time that exercising is good for you. And we often emphasize on the exercise, but we, we do very little to think about what rest does following an exercise, right? So if you exercise 24 hours, (laughs) I don't think it's very good for your body without the rest, right? Or if you exercise without the rest in between, it could totally stress the body. We use the same way to think about fasting. If you only emphasize, put emphasis on fasting without putting as much weight on what do you eat afterwards? How do you replenish your body? then it's a one-way street, right? You're not getting the full benefit of it. In fact, for many of our patients or consumers that are listening to this, it may not be the best thing for them. You can stress the body without replenishing it. So I always call it the yin and yang of fasting, right? So you cannot just emphasize one aspect. The refeeding aspect is as important. Yeah, that, that's fascinating and so analogous to what we know from, for example, as you brought up strength resistance, there's remodeling that has to take place um, in the 48 hours afterwards. So you can get injured if you over, you know, over exercise. So it's a perfect analogy. And when you think of, you know, what our body needs in that recovery phase, um, what are the key components and and how long a recovery do we need? Yeah, it really depends on how long that fasting is. You know, uh, fasting for uh, more than a couple of days, uh, I would uh, highly suggest that uh, our listeners uh, speak to their physicians uh, before deciding on when the the optimal length of fasting is for them because everyone's health situation is different. But, uh, but it's clear that the more frequently we fast, especially 
you know, the, doing these periodic fasting or prolonged fasting, the more off, often we do them, the more replenishment we need really in between. So the frequency is important. Number two, the length of the fasting is also important. I'll give you one example. You know, the fasting mimicking diet was designed to mimic a five-day fast. Now, why a five-day fast? Well, you don't want it to be well, only a day or two because we believe just a day or two is too short. It's too short to really trigger fully the autophagy process that, that's, uh, that I spoke earlier in the, in the program, right? That, that it, it may just, you know, at a 24-hour time, 36 hours into it, maybe the cells have just begun the autophagy process. You don't want to just stop right there. You know, it's like when we do a cleaning, right? Uh, we could do kind of a daily cleaning of the house. But look, if you just do it for 10 minutes, you're not going to get to the curtains. You're not going to get to the carpets. I mean, it takes a spring cleaning, right? So which is often a lot more involved. Same thing, you know, with the fasting, we, we wanted to, to, to get these cellular impacts. We got to give it a little bit more time. But we don't also don't want to do 10, 20, 30 days of fasting. I mean, that is really a big toll on the body unless it's you're, you're the right candidate, unless you're under medical supervision. It could be difficult and it is not for everybody, right? So, so the fasting mimicking diet was designed with all these safety in mind. What is the optimal time to fast? How much nutrients to provide? How much stress you have to give? Because ultimately, it's the stress of fasting that forces the body to respond. Think about it, right? <laughs> so um, it, it's, if it wasn't for the stress, like exercise, if it wasn't for the stress, your muscle wouldn't grow, right? It's, it's, it's the stress, that short-term stress that, that causes the body elements, the cells, the organs to respond to it. And so we definitely, with fasting, you want to apply enough stress, but not too much. But also you want to give it, uh, give that feeding afterwards so the body can heal. And it's that repeated cycles of fasting and, and fast, uh, fasting and feeding that I think is the secret to uh, supporting a healthy uh, longevity lifestyle. Yeah, no, it's so fascinating about our physiology that there, there seems to be a sweet spot of stress that builds resilience. Um, and, you know, that makes perfect sense of why you need that five days as opposed to, you know, there are a lot of regimens for intermittent fasting, right? There are some that are like 16, eight hours where, you know, people try and do it on a daily basis. Um, but to, you know, what I'm hearing is to get that full effect of that cell regeneration, yeah. a longer duration may be needed. And what are the outcomes that you see when people do the five day? Yeah, so uh, I would I was uh, I wanted to clarify. It's not that intermittent fasting don't do anything for you. I think that's an incorrect statement. Intermittent fasting could be really good for weight loss, for mental clarity, you know, for uh, generating energy level. Because afterwards, I mean, after a sixteen-hour fast, you, you do allow the body to rest, right? You're not over occupying all your organ system with nutrients all the time. There are definitely specific benefits to intermittent fasting. 
Um, but what we're talking about here is as you push it out two days, three days, even five days of fasting mimicking diet, you get into a whole different territory. The cellular impact, supporting that autophagy process and, and likely also supporting healthy uh, uh, lifestyle. I think it's gonna take a little bit longer than that. I'll just uh, cite uh, a study that we published in 2017. These are in totally healthy individuals where we randomize uh, the study subject into one group uh, using the fasting mimicking diet, and one group with just regular diet, five days of that fasting mimicking diet per month. And for the rest of the 25 days, they just go back to their normal lifestyle. And you repeat that three times. In other words, 15 days total in a three months time compared to a, what we will call a placebo arm, right? The arm that does regular diet. What we saw was people uh, lose about six pounds or so, um, but it may not sound very impressive, right? But it's only 15 days out of that three months. And most of that weight loss is all fat. And most of the fat is in visceral, uh, in the abdomen. And so we learned a lot from that study. What we learned was that Fasting is actually very different than a low calorie diet. A lot of people have kind of the wrong concept. Oh, I'm just gonna you know, eat a, a low calorie diet. Remember when low calorie diet, when it's consumed, the cells are still seeing the nutrients coming in. It's just at a lower state, right? So the cells are not turning. It's not enough stress to turn the cells into the protective pathway. They're still in that growth pathway. It's just less growth. You're not turning on that stress resistance you're not turning that protective pathway on, right? And so, so uh, with fasting, there's a couple of things happen. Uh, the lean body mass is often preserved, right? Lean body mass, we're talking about bones, with organs, we're talking about muscles, right? That they are often conserved because it's the stress, right? It's the stress. Think about a tiger between a hunt if the, the tiger loses the muscle in between the hunts, that species would have gone extinct a long time ago, right? But instead, when, when the tiger is hungry, what happens? There is a cue, uh, there's, a, there's a, a raise in energy, right? There is a, a, a clarity of, of, of its mentation because it's got to hunt. It's got to be vigilant in order to survive. So this is really nature's way of, of ensuring, right? These are protective mechanisms between the, between the hunts the mind is sharp and the muscle is protected. Instead, you're burning the fat that's in the belly. And that's why, in fact, what we see in humans in this study that I described, people lose weight and all the, most of the fat, uh, the weight uh, loss is due to the fat loss in the belly. The lean body mass is preserved. And we see a change and an increase in, in, in mental clarity, uh, a sense of energy. And the most important thing, I think from a clinician standpoint that I love is it seemed to have changed the participant's relationship to food after five days. Uh, because, because it's challenging, it's changing, it's rewiring, right? Sort of your, your conception, your connection to the food you were, you were addicted to in the past. So often after five days of fast, people often ask the most common question is, oh my goodness, what do I eat now? I want to eat different. I want to take care of myself. You know, I've gone through this five day of fast. 
I feel great. How can I take care of myself? Wow. You know, well, that speaks such volumes about almost like a clash between culture, if you will, and what is so intrinsically a part of our innate, like, nature, right? And just that it takes this five days for us to kind of break our relationship with these cultural attachments we have um, around the roles of food, the, our food supply, our food source, what, you know, the types of foods that are essentially um, prevalent um, to kind of realign us with our natural and intrinsic needs that, you know, have evolved over so many years. And in fact, uh, this, this adaptive mechanism to environment where it's not entirely resourceful. Think about most of human history we're dealing with struggling to meet the nutrient requirement, right? It's until the recent years that we, we are overnutritioned. <laughs> so, so our entire mechanism has always been to help us survive those periods, right? Helped us to sharpen our adaptive mechanisms, survival mechanisms. And through fasting, we're activating these innate abilities that we've never tapped into. It's as old as exercise, is as old as our entire biology is built around, you know, meeting times when food is not there. It helps us even be better, right? It helps us to really to tap into those resources. And I'm glad that that modern medicine has begun to look into this as I mentioned, more clinical trials, more basic science research, and we need more evidence for sure, but it's promising. Now, it's promising also because fasting affects every cell in the body. Think about it. It affects every cell. The heart cell, the muscle, the bone, the brain, the organs, every cell needs to respond to the fact that, hey, there's no, there's no nutrients coming in. And we were hoping through rigorous science that we can begin to show the potential implications of fasting when it's done right. And especially when it's in, in, in combined with technology that mimics fasting to allow people to go through that fasting without so much the suffering and the pain of, of hunger and, 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 and no food that we may begin to show some of the potential therapeutic uh, impact. But obviously we need a lot more research. Obviously we need to, to fo follow regulatory guidance. And so to do this in a rigorous way so we could um, and have the proof uh, to support the best way to use fasting um, to, to help to combat our, many of our health conditions. You know, in and with that, you know, with the few minutes we have left, I want to loop back around and, you know, talk about just the, the science behind what l Nutrient does. I know we started with that and I want to close. What, how has l Nutrient taken the science to, to put it into products and programs that people can benefit from the science? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually, that, that really hits home for me because, um, I love academia 
you know, left the Harvard Institution to join this company, to lead in the research and clinical development of our products with the hope that we can definitively prove how to best use the technology of fasting mimicking, right, to support human health. And so uh, it is part of our past, present, and the future. And I'll, let me explain. Over the last 20 years, uh, the, uh, this technology has received over $36 million of funding from the NIH, uh, from the European Union. Many of the research is done in prestigious academic institutions here in the US and uh, in Europe as well. Uh, that, that's been our past. In, at the present, we have so many interests right now. We are currently conducting 14 clinical trials, actively recruiting subjects, volunteers uh, in a, a host of, of human conditions. And, and certainly you know, for the future, we were hoping to, uh, you know, to, to, um, to capture some of these learnings, design programs and products um, uh, to benefit uh, humanity. It's a, it's a grand vision, if you will, but it's from a, a clinician's heart, from a physician's heart, I, I hope that, uh, um, I think we've, we've, we have stumbled on something uh, entirely revolutionary. And I wanted to really marry that rigor of science uh, to match uh, our aspiration and ambition. That is just so beautifully put. And, and well, for people who are interested in learning more, I know we'll have links to the El Nutra website for um, information about the five-day fasting mimicking diet and, um, and other resources that you have. And then maybe if we could, we will have you share if people want to be participants in the research projects. Um, maybe if there's um, a way to reach out and um, and, and uh, learn about that as well. Yeah, most of the researches are actually done uh, extramurally, meaning, meaning that we, um, the, the various universities actually are running these studies. We, we do not actively participate or run those studies. It's actually investigator-initiated. Uh, investigator and so um, we, we do have a list of our trials uh, on the website. And if you're interested, you could certainly contact uh, those universities who are doing uh, research on the technology. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and Will, with the um, few moments left, do you, is there anything you want to touch on that we haven't had a chance to talk about? Well, I think uh, this is really a good time uh, for us to address this topic. I, I think, you know, I, I was hoping that I was, uh, I could say that we're at the end of the pandemic, but it looks like <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, it's a black box to me right at the moment, but I, I think taking care of ourselves, um, focusing on, on, on just good health and, and good mental health, it's really, really important. And you might wanna consider fasting really as a way to kickstart your own health, take control of your health, get involved. You know, without uh, making a, a lifelong commitment, I know, Every clinician wants to hear that, but it is very hard to do. Start with fasting. Start with intermittent fasting. Start with fasting the vegan diet. That can be an easy way to kickstart a better health. 
and I, I hope uh, I hope this message could be helpful for you to to, ju- to jumpstart uh, a new lifestyle. Oh, that's a great message, and I, I certainly have a lot of patients that have benefited from uh, doing some form of fasting. So, thank you so much, and thanks for the tremendous work, the research, the products, the creating um, really a portal to translate all this research into ways that people can benefit. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you, Dr. Shen, for having me on this podcast. The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by Emory Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website, emoryhealthcare.org slash livewell. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.